Coming up on this edition of the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast, which local program won a national championship last week? The Georgia High School Association playoffs are here. Plus, our NFL spotlight is on a former Longhorn doing big things in the Queen City. Coming up right after this. Why buy at Kia Mall of Georgia? We provide award-winning customer satisfaction and have been a family-owned business for over 20 years. Buying or leasing with us is fast and easy, and you can get pre-approved online in four easy steps. We offer top dollar on trade-ins and have new vehicle specials that are updated every month. Our factory-trained technicians make servicing your vehicle convenient with extended service hours. Stop by and shop with us on the lot or visit us online at lovemykia.com. It's Friday, November 27, 2020. Welcome to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast, brought to you by Kia Mall of Georgia. Hope everyone had a safe Thanksgiving yesterday. I'm your host, Marcel Pertut, and joined by Gwinnett Daily Post sports editor, Will Hammett. How are you doing today, Will? Doing great, Marcel. How's it going? And we're doing well. Today is unofficially the busiest shopping day of the year, and also the start of the state playoffs for our local football team. So we got a lot to cover. Now let's get started. Today's top story is brought to you by Peggy Slappy Properties. Uh, well, before we get into the Georgia High School Association State Playoffs, the GHSA, congratulations to the Georgia Force for winning the National Homeschool Football Championship. Uh, the Force were able to edge Tom Ball Christian, a team out of Texas, 24-21 over the weekend in the title game, which was in uh, Panama City Beach. And so a very big win for that football team. And uh, what are your thoughts uh, on that team and their season? Yeah, it's, it's one of the best uh, homeschool football programs in the country, uh, and it's based here in Gwinnett, the Georgia Force. They've been been around for quite some time. They've uh, they kind of took their name from the old arena football team and, and originally got their uniforms, I think, from the old Georgia Force arena football team that was in, uh, in Atlanta back in the day. Uh, but they, they've developed into a big-time program uh, at the homeschool level. They get a lot of the top kids around here. Uh, Kyle Mosley, their quarterback, is one of the best around. He's put up huge numbers this year. Just a great victory. They've won multiple national championships. So uh, to get one another, when, uh, those never get old. So congratulations to the uh, to the force on a, on a big win and, and building such a successful program over there. Yeah. I, how does that work? Is it just some of the kids, They is it more just the academic side of things, or do they feel uh, better opportunities to play athletically? Because I know some states, they allow homeschoolers to play for uh, the – the public schools or maybe some of the private schools is that just not the case so much in uh, georgia with the force team yeah it's it's just kind of a uh, kids that are homeschooled looking for a place to play and and maybe they're uh, i think a lot of the homeschool kids kind of know each other uh, they're in the same community and they know about this program uh, i think maybe in areas where the that there's not a homeschool football option like this then they can play for their uh, their local school but i think they just like this program they like what it means they they like the values of the team and uh, they are. They do have a few kids on the team that are uh, that don't play for their high school, but for the most part, it's homeschool kids, and it's uh, kids that are uh, have a lot in common and enjoy playing with each other and enjoy being a part of that program. Congratulations once again to the Georgia Force. I was on the Gwinnett Prep Sports website a few days ago, uh, Will, and I saw your article on the tradition of playoff teams practicing on Thanksgiving and how big of a deal that is, especially for some uh, first-time playoff teams or teams that have not been in the postseason in a long time. And we'll break that all down as we go through the preview. Uh, but what about these teams? And usually Thanksgiving is a day of rest and eating and watching football, but some of these teams are able to actually get on the field and participate. Yeah, the, the, with the calendar being readjusted this year, uh, usually it's teams that are going into the state quarterfinals that have to 
practice on Thanksgiving week or get to practice on Thanksgiving week, I should say. Uh, it's, it's something they look forward to, these programs that are they're perennially in the playoffs. And their parents already know that, uh, that they plan on not going anywhere on the holidays because they know their football team's got a good chance of playing that, that week. But with the readjusted calendar, uh, it's going into the first round. So there's a lot more teams involved on this Thanksgiving week. So a lot of teams are getting to do this for the first time or the fir- or do it for the first time in quite some time, um, especially for programs like Meadow Creek and Discovery that they've never practiced on Thanksgiving. So it's new to all those kids and all those parents. And uh, Thanksgiving practice, is a, it's not, not a grueling practice. It's usually a walkthrough. It's supposed to be fun. They usually uh, feed the kids, have a nice little meal, a little breakfast, uh, do some fun activities at practice. And it's, a, it's considered more of a treat celebration of your season that it's, uh, you made it to that point if you get to practice on thanksgiving it's a uh, it's a tradition for a lot of these these teams i know uh, coach uh, appling at buford was telling me he's uh, his entire time at buford he's he's practiced on thanksgiving every single year because buford's been so deep in the playoffs every year and he's been there since early 2000s so just an uh, incredible streak there at buford a lot of these teams are used to doing it but it's really really cool for the teams that are doing it for the first time and, and the ones that haven't done it in, in quite some time well, they go from uh, Thanksgiving and filling their bellies and not have to get on the football field today and play the first round of the playoffs. So let's get right to our previews. Uh, we'll start with the playoff teams and go down from Class 7A on down. So we'll hit all of them. And that happens to coincide with your game of the week, uh, which is Brookwood visiting Colquitt County. Uh, the Broncos are the fourth seed uh, from Region 4, while the Packers are the top seed from Region 1. Uh, Brookwood, the good part is they come into the contest off of a very big win over Parkview, uh, 35-25 in the regular season finale, which included your Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, so the Broncos look like they are they're heading down to uh, to South Georgia, but they come in with some momentum. Yeah, it's, a, it's, not, it's definitely a tough matchup for both these. I don't think either one of these teams wanted to see this matchup in the first round. Uh, uh, Brookwood was a, a top four team for most of the season with, with the talent they have over there. And uh, just hit some hit a lot of roadblocks late in the season with with COVID. Even even their coach being out with COVID, and then having a lot of injuries as well. And she had to been down a lot of players here late in the season. They they stumbled at, at Newton. That was a costly game, and and uh, obviously lost to Grayson, which is no shame in that. Everybody's been losing to Grayson, but uh, way to pull it back together last week by the Broncos and, and went beat their rival. Uh, unfortunately, it meant a number four seed still and and a trip to. Uh, to play at Colquitt County, which is the, the kind of the state championship favorite there in 7A. They've been pretty much dominating everybody on the schedule so far. So it's a tough matchup for, for Colquitt uh, to play Brookwood. I'm sure they wanted a, a little uh, easier four seed in the first round than playing Brook, a loaded Brookwood team. But a lot of Brookwood's going to depend on, on Dylan Lonergan, the quarterback. If he's uh, if he's healthy, he's certainly a, one of the top players in the country. But he's he was injured again last week. He's questionable. But I think Jack Spike, a senior quarterback, showed last week against Parkview. He was our player of the week. What he can do, he's a 17 out of 18 passing and, and played a big part in that Brookwood victory. So uh, kudos to Jack for sticking with the program and, uh, and being a team team guy. And uh, he got his chance and really stepped up against Parkview. He won in the, uh, probably the biggest start of his life and, and, and delivered for the Broncos. Yeah, I think whoever is the quarterback for Brookwood, just get the ball to uh, Conley Davis and Caleb Cummings, and I think you'll you'll do all right. Uh, but we're just good. we have these matchups, and another one of the South Georgia versus Gwinnett is Camden County, who actually is the third seed from Region 1. They go into Parkview. Uh, so that's an interesting contest uh, for uh, the Panthers to have. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's, uh, this Region 4 against Region 1, it's, it's very different for Gwinnett. Gwinnett's used to having – uh, being in regions five through eight, so it's, it's usually deeper in the playoffs when when region one matches up with Gwinnett. So to see region one in the first first round is a little different from the t- for the teams around here. And uh, for Parkview, it's not not going to be an easy test. Camden's uh, 
struggled a little bit here late in the season, but you know that's going to be a talented team, and and you know they're well coached because Bob Spire is a guy that, that we know very well up here. The Gwinnett schools know very well. He did had a lot of success at North Gwinnett before he went down to Camden. Uh, he's he's going to do big things down there, uh, like he usually does wherever he goes. So it's an exciting matchup for for Parkview, and uh, I'm sure Bob Spire is excited to come back up here and see some of his old friends uh, in Gwinnett. Yeah, those are two powerhouse programs. Uh, Tiff County uh, has to visit Grayson, the fourth seed from Region 1, as you mentioned. So the the Rams get to face Tiff County to open up what they hope it will be a long run in the postseason. Yeah, it's good. You know, Grayson will be the heavy favorite in this one, as, as they will be a lot of times. But this is, a, uh, I think, Tiff just two and six. They've, they've had a little rough, bit of a rough go this year, uh, maybe not, not up to the standards that they've had in the past. And uh, certainly not the uh, first round matchup that they wanted to see either with uh, Grayson, which is number four team in the nation. I don't think you want that in, in your first round game. You know, you know, your first round game is going to be tough as a four seed, but uh, they, they drew the, uh, the rough straw there in the in the first round. So uh, I think Grayson's going to keep rolling in this one. They had the last week of the season off to, to kind of get healthy and refocus and uh, and look ahead. Also gave uh, Jake Garcia, the quarterback, another week to, to kind of get comfortable with his new team and uh, and kind of get ready to push for a state championship. Yeah, and a team that also is a, a contender for a state championship is Norcross. Uh, the Blue Devils were able to secure that Region 7 title last week uh, with their win over Archer, 31-14. to uh, They're going to face South Forsyth in their first-round contest. But take us back to that Archer-Norcross uh, game. It was uh, very competitive for a bit, but the, the Blue Devils were able to emerge, especially at the defensive end, uh, with their defensive player of the week who had a big night uh, for the team. Yeah, there's some real playmakers at linebacker. Jalen Garner, our player of the week, he, he had a monster game. He was all over the field making plays. Uh, had 17 tackles and just a lot of negative plays, a lot of disruptive plays. Uh, him and Zakai Barker are both big-time big, big time players and great at uh, disrupting things. But Norcross defense is always going to be tough. Uh, they, they made it made it life tough for that Archer offense. And, uh, and I think the thing that stood out to me is the way they, Norcross was able to run the ball. Uh, Janai Clark had a great game. Uh, Kind of bruising running back that, that had had a nice game behind that big offensive line, and this is this is one of the better Norcross offensive lines we've seen over the years. And I think that's when you see Norcross has their best teams is when they're they're good on the offensive line. They they've had a lot of skill at the other spots over the years, but the the teams that have been really good have been the top offensive line teams, and that that goes back to their two state championship teams. They had, they had very good offensive lines, and I think that's that's going to be a big key for this Norcross team going forward. Uh, like we've talked about in the past, they're kind of the more one of the more underrated teams in 7A. They've kind of quietly gone undefeated. Uh, Grayson's getting a lot of attention, but uh, Norcross has had a great season. They've uh, beat East Coweta, another top five team. So uh, a lot to like about what Norcross has done to this point. Yeah, and Archer is still the second seed from the region, and they're going to host Gainesville, uh, which is kind of not a neighbor, but two teams are relatively close to each other. So that should be a very interesting contest Friday night. Yeah, Gainesville's not used to being up in this classification and playing these types of teams, but uh, I think Gainesville's got a lot of talent. They're kind of cycling back up. Uh, Coach Webb's done a good job up there of getting them together, and uh, it's not going to be an easy matchup for Archer, but uh, I think Archer's got uh, the benefit of playing a really, really difficult schedule. I don't think they're going to be surprised by anything they see out of, out of Gainesville or be intimidated. Uh, I think they'll bounce back just fine. They had a six-game winning streak going before they lost to Norcross last week, so uh, I don't think they'll be uh, they'll have any problems this week. I think they'll show up motivated and uh, get ready to uh, to roll on in the playoffs. 
we talked, you may talk about teams that were excited to practice on Thanksgiving. Discovery is one of those teams, a team that is uh, making a playoff appearance of a rare, very rare one for them. And they are the third seed out of region seven. And they face a Denmark team, the Danes, who are one of the newer programs in all of Georgia. They're the second seed from region six, uh, but discovery was able to get that third seed able to defeat a uh, middle Creek last week. 43 to 32. So Discovery comes to this contest uh, looking pretty good uh, coming into it. Yeah, and nobody's going into the playoffs with more excitement than Discovery. They uh, uh, were looking, staring at not being in the playoffs there in that last last week, and then they stormed back right at the end of the game to beat Meadow Creek by 11. They had to win by at least seven to get into the playoffs. So to really turn it on there at the end to know what they needed to do uh, to win by seven or more and end up winning by 11 to clinch their first playoff spot was really exciting. The community is excited. The players are excited. Uh, I know the coaches are pumped up over there. And uh, we talked about practicing on Thanksgiving. That's going to be a rare treat for these guys. Uh, it'll be a tough matchup against Denmark. I mean, uh, I think Denmark had some rough results. They were struggled to score early in the season, but they really come on. They got their quarterback back from injury Aaron McLaughlin. He's a, he's a big time quarterback. Uh, he started his high school career at Buford and he played, uh, played football here in the Gwinnett football league for North Gwinnett. So uh, folks around here have seen Aaron play for a long time at quarterback and know how talented he is. It's going to be a tough test for discovery to stop him, but uh, discovery has some excitement, got some energy going right now and uh, just going to lay it all on the line. There's nothing to lose right now. Uh, for the Titans. So uh, we'll see how they can do. Yeah, big weapons for Discovery. Rashad Ray had five touchdowns in that Meadow Creek contest at a JB Say, a first thousand yard rusher in school history. So those will be some key parts or key players uh, for Discovery. You mentioned Meadow Creek. Uh, they make the trip to West Forsyth uh, for their first round contest. They ended up as the fourth seed out of Region 7 and West Forsyth won their region, which was which was Region 6. Yeah, it was a little bit of disappointment in the in the season finale for Meadow Creek. I know they're they're playing for a three seed, which uh, there was a time when we were talking about Meadow Creek going zero and ten and one and nine every year. So now that we're, uh, we're we're talking about whether they're a three seed or a four seed, it's a good conversation to have for these uh, for the Meadow Creek Mustangs. That shows kind of the expectations how they've changed under Coach Carrera over there. There's a there's a lot of talent over there now at Meadow Creek. A lot of belief that they can compete in the region that they're in, and uh, and they did it once again. Got back into the postseason, did what they needed to do. Uh, scored a big win over Duluth that was that was really key to getting this uh, this playoff run going. Uh, it's a tough matchup with West Forsyth. We saw them a little bit early in the season when they played Mill Creek and and really almost beat Mill Creek, kind of controlled that game for the large part of the game. So a really talented West Forsyth team. That, they kind of West Forsyth always looks like a Gwinnett County team. They're they're big, strong, and physical on the offensive line. A lot of talent uh, up there. So it's a tough matchup for the Mustangs, but they're going to give it their best shot and uh, see if they can pull the upset. Yeah, moving on to Region 8, I was very impressed by Collins Hill last week. Uh, they, because they secured the region the week before, and they could have as they took it easy, uh, laid it off, but they dominated their victory in a win over Peachtree Ridge last week, and they're the top seed, and they're going to face Alpharetta. But once again, very impressed by Collins Hill keeping that energy going, uh, even after clinching the region to uh, get a big win heading into the playoffs. Collinsville actually had a bye last week. Oh, my remember. goodness. My apologies. <laughs> that was Mill Creek that beat Ah, okay. <laughs> well, well we're, doing, we're doing the auto, we're doing corrections right in the middle of the show, but that's cool. Uh, but no, they, do fa- they do face Alpharetta. We do know that. Uh, no, Col- yes, they do face Collins. Collinsville does face uh, Alpharetta. But still, uh, a very important contest as well for Collinsville looking to make a big postseason run themselves. Yeah, Collinsville had that, that week off last week to kind of kind of refocus yes. and 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 get back on going on things they need to do to 
they've had state title hopes from the beginning of the season. A lot of people thought it was kind of crazy to, to have that as a goal, but Collins Hill's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'm really impressed with them on both sides of the ball. Uh, Sam Horn and, and uh, Travis Hunter have been just game breakers on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, they really throw the ball around well. And then the, the defense plays very well. Uh, the, the defensive line and James Smith and those guys are excellent players. This is kind of an interesting first round matchup because uh, Collins and Alpharetta played early in the season. It was a, uh, Consul won 30 to 22 back in early October, but it's uh, it went a game that Consul felt like they played particularly well. I think they, they think they're a lot better than what they showed the first time against Alpharetta. So, uh, if I was predicting, I would say Consul wins this one by, by a lot more than eight, the eight points that they won the, the first meeting. Yes, definitely. Uh, North Gwinnett they opened up the postseason, and I believe they have uh, Cherokee. If I'm reading that correctly. Uh, so that should be a very interesting contest for uh, North Gwinnett against a Cherokee team that had one of their better seasons in a very long time uh, for that program. So uh, a very interesting pay contest on paper. Yeah, definitely. And it's not going to be an easy matchup for, for either of these teams. I think they match up really well. Uh, North Gwinnett obviously always starts with defense. They play such great defense up there. They've, they've had three shutouts in the last five games. So uh, it's going to be tough uh, for Cherokee to move the ball. They, they've run the ball well in the past. And I, I know uh, Coach Stewart and those guys have been working on ways to stop Cherokee. Uh, but I think offensively is going to be key, the key. Like we've talked about, can North Gwinnett get consistent offense in the playoffs? And uh, I think they're coming off one of their best, obviously their highest point total, but one of their best offensive showings of the season. They had 59 points against Mountain View uh, in the regular season finale. I think they're finally, finally starting to get some rhythm there on offense. And uh, with that defense they have over there, North Gwinnett can make some noise in the playoffs. Now we can talk about Mill Creek. They're the third seat out of Region 8. They make the relatively short trip by playoff standards. As we mentioned, some of these teams, uh, that, that trip to Colquitt for Brookwood, uh, are they going to do an overnight, by the way? Or are they just going to try to go day of? Do you have any word on that yet, how they're going to pull uh, that off? Yeah, it's usually just a day trip, I think. I haven't, I haven't spoke to them yet, but it's usually just a down and back for the most part. They, oh, uh, most, most teams usually go down there and uh, – go down there early and uh, have a little stopover and do a little walkthrough and then uh, then continue the rest of the trip. But that's usually what teams do. I haven't, I haven't spoke with Philip and those guys about the details yet, but uh, that's generally what teams do on the, on the log road trips. So long, a great five, six hour bus trip one way. That's a, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah good times. So the good news for Mill Creek is they're on the road, uh, but they is Roswell's relatively close. Now Roswell's a very strong team. I said they're the second seed out of region five, but I look at this contest and I see a very even contest that can go either way. Yeah, definitely. It's a seven and two Roswell team. That's done a lot of good things this year. Uh, Mill Creek is a, uh, kind of playing some of their best football late in the season, particularly on the offensive side. The defense has kind of been there all year, but the offense is starting to click. Uh, Hayden Clark, the sophomore quarterback, had a, a great season finale there in the 40-3 to win over Peachtree Ridge. That was a that was a game they needed to have to get the three seed in the region over Peachtree Ridge. So, but really, really, Mill Creek showed up in all facets last week and got an impressive win. Uh, Mill Creek's been playing well in the, in the playoffs the last several years. They won, they won the first round game, I think, five years in a row now. Um, that the, they were they roll in with some momentum, and uh, this is a team they're familiar with. Mill Creek beat Roswell, of course, in the state playoffs last season, so the teams know each other pretty well. Uh, I give Mill Creek the slight edge in this one. Uh, I think that the the five and five record by Mill Creek is fairly deceiving because of the tough schedule they played. They, they met up with the top teams in the state, and uh, like you said, I think it's a pretty even matchup. But I'm gonna give Mill Creek the slight edge. And rounding out the Class Seven A action. Uh, for uh, Gwinnett teams is Peachtree Ridge, a team that's in the postseason for the first time in several years. And they head over to Milton, who is the top seed out of Region 5. So preview this contest uh, for us, Will. 
Yeah, it's exciting for, for Reggie Stanzel and the Lions to get back in the playoffs. They, they had a big-time performance just to get to the playoffs two weeks ago. They had to rally to get past Mountain View just to get, earn that playoff berth. So to, to get through what they've gotten through, they got off to a strong start, and then they lost two games uh, due to COVID back-to-back, and that was that was kind of a tough one to overcome middle of the, middle of the season. But they came back and won the game, and they needed to win to get in the postseason. So it's kind of a, a great reward for Reggie and those guys to see them get into the playoffs. There's a – a lot of excitement over there in that program and the potential for the future that they have over there with the, and get a playoff where it certainly kind of fuels that excitement. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult matchup. I think in the first round, this is a Milton team that obviously won state a couple of years ago and take a nine and a record into this game. They've got some convincing victories on the schedule and uh, it's going to be a tough one for Peachtree Ridge, but uh, Peachtree Ridge has already matched up with some of the toughest teams in the state as well. So not going to be intimidated. They know what they're in for, but it's gonna be a tall task to knock off the Eagles. Yeah, but I think the Peachy Ridge, once again, being in postseason first time in several years, uh, they're very excited about that. Let's move on to Class 6A, and we've talked about it all year. Buford moving up another classification, but another region title uh, for the Wolves. Uh, let's talk about their contest against Jacula first, and Jacula's in the playoffs as well. But Buford secured that region title with a 35 to nothing victory uh, last week. Uh, once again, just a dominant performance by Buford in a contest that looked uh, pretty close on paper. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought this was a bit closer. It was a, a very disappointing effort for Decula. If you talk to their coaches, that it's not a not something they were pleased with. They, they, didn't, they thought they played pretty poorly in that one, and uh, and you can't do that against Buford. And, uh, and Buford showed why. Won in that game, thirty-five nothing. But kudos to Buford for winning the region championship. They did what they needed to do, uh, stepping up in a higher classification, and uh, had a stumbling stumbling block out of the gates uh, in their first game in six A. Uh, lost the opener, but they won eight straight games since and, and been on an impressive roll. Really have been tested over these last eight games. They've been been dominating everybody on the schedule. Uh, it's got to make them feel good going into the postseason, uh, uh, carrying that kind of uh, winning streak and, and dominating everybody in front of them. Yeah, and they face Douglas County out of Douglasville. Uh, they're the uh, fourth seed out of Region 5. So uh, Douglas County found their way into the playoffs, and they get to face Buford. Uh, DeCule is also in their postseason. They're the second seed, and they face another team out of Douglasville in uh, in Alexander. Uh, so that's a very interesting contest. Let's preview that one before we move on to the next contest. Yeah, DeCule is looking good for most of the season. I think they've, they've hit a couple of stumbles late in the season, and losing Caleb Edwards kind of – Definitely hurt the offense with what they were able to do. Caleb was able to come back last week. So hopefully he can get back to 100% uh, for the playoffs. And then Dekula can make another run. They've been in the Final Four and 6A the last two years. Uh, I know they're not going to want to leave quickly in those playoffs. So they're going to be a tough out. So uh, a, a tough matchup for Alexander, I think, going into this one. I think Dekula is going to be motivated and wanting to play well after that performance last week. And uh, and they got Kyle Eford uh, playing some of his best football of the year. He's kind of powering that running game. Uh, DeCule is going to need a lot out of Blaine Jenkins at quarterback. I think when you start having to throw the ball uh, in the postseason and having success that way, I know DeCule really likes to, to lean on the run, but Blaine Jenkins is going to have to make some plays in the passing game, make some plays with his legs at times to keep this team going forward. And moving on to class three, a greater Atlanta Christian. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about Cedar Grove and their, uh, they lost some games due to, uh, I guess, ineligible player. So that elevated GAC into the top seed out of Region 5. Now, JC went undefeated this year because they actually got a victory with that Cedar Grove issue. Uh, but they opened up the postseason against Franklin County, who is the eighth seed. No, they're the fourth seed out of Region 8. But GAC defeated Redan uh, last week, 42-8, to eight, So or their last contest. So if the Spartans are coming into the playoffs with a lot of confidence. 
Yeah, definitely. It's kind of business as usual this season for GAC. They've uh, uh, Coach Hardy likes to call this group a true team, and they've they've kind of got cont- contributions from a lot of different kids, uh, which is what you like to see as a high school football program. You don't like to see kids step up when players go down, uh, and they've they've really gotten a, a good complete effort the entire season. It's a uh, it's a team that's now nine and zero. They had that one one loss wipe from the schedule with Cedar Grove. Uh, no, no, losing to Cedar Grove was, was certainly not a surprise. I mean, that's a loaded Cedar Grove team. Uh, I think they would have liked to play better against Cedar Grove, but uh, that, that's why from the books now they're undefeated again. Uh, but really none of that matters. It's, uh, it's playoff time. Everybody's uh, zero and zero. And, uh, and it can't look past Franklin County. This is a team that's seven and two, uh, despite being a four seed. So it's, it's a team that's uh, it's got a lot of talent. And, uh, and GAC has to show up on Friday and play its best. And lastly, we'll move on to Class A private. In the past few years, we've had the power rankings, and that was the way they took the top 16 or 32 teams. There were buys, and I guess there's some buys still here. I'm looking at the bracket here. Uh, actually, only one buy, uh, but the difference this year with everything going on, they're going with the more traditional uh, bracket with the region's results determining the slots and i'm looking at the rackets we'll get to our teams here but you're seeing some matchups that normally would be quarterfinals or semifinals contests and we're getting them in the first round and we'll start with wesleyan and athens christian and uh wesleyan they would defeat them out of uh, vernon presbyterian to win the region five title so congratulations uh, to the wolves uh, but they're facing athens christian who uh, is a solid team out of their fourth seed out of a very solid region eight. So that should be a very good contest. Yeah, I think that they're better than your average four seed in a lot of regions, but this is a, this is a Wesleyan team that was state runner up uh, last year, playing their best football, uh, really playing well up front uh, on both sides of the ball. And that, that's been a key to their success. Ran the ball really well in that big game last week. The defense was dominant, particularly against the pass. One of the best passing teams in the, in the state is Mount Vernon and, and Wesleyan really stepped up with the, a big time pass rush that really disrupted things from the start. The DBs played well on the deep balls and a lot of, a lot of things going well for Wesleyan right now. And they have, they have that playoff experience. Uh, I think it gives them the edge. There's, there's a huge uh, difference between those top couple teams in that region yeah. uh, as, as there is with Athens Christian. So uh, definitely winning the region was huge for Wesleyan because you want to, you want to avoid playing uh, Athens Academy and Prince Avenue in those first round games. And that, that was kind of the, the mission for Wesleyan to get one of those top seeds and, and avoid having one of those brutal first round matchups. So this one, this one I think is a little bit better for, for Wesleyan and the, they have a good chance of winning this one and moving on. Yeah, definitely. They do. Uh, yeah. Athens Christian. And uh, speaking of Prince Avenue, Christian, uh, they get Hebron. So Hebron goes to uh, Prince Avenue Christian. So they make the trip to the Athens area. Uh, Hebron lost to Holy Innocence 28 to 20. Uh, so with that result, they get to the four seed and yeah, they face a very talented Prince Avenue Christian uh, with a, a talented roster, uh, maybe the top quarterback prospect in the nation. Uh, so just a very tough contest for Hebron uh, in their first round. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a really, really tough draw for Hebron. It's, uh, it's nice to see them get in the playoffs and, uh, and certainly two very good quarterbacks going at it uh, in this game, uh, going to uh, Georgia and South Carolina. So big time, big time quarterback matchup. But uh, I think Prince, Prince Avenue is certainly more more evolved in their their football program. This is the first year for Coach Latrell over at Hebron. He's kind of wanting to build things his way, and it's uh, kind of year one. He, he got him to the state playoffs, which is which is a nice accomplishment. But, uh, I think down the road you're going to see Hebron be more competitive, but this one's going to be a tough one. It's a it's a very very difficult first round draw. Prince Avenue is looking like the state title favorite in this this bracket, so Hebron's going to have to play their best just to keep this one close. 
All right, we're going to take one final break, and when we return, we'll look at the local college football slate, and our NFL spotlight is on a former Longhorn who spent some time in the Plains and now doing big things in the Queen City here on the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. Stick around. Hey guys, it's Amanda Lee, your local host and Gwinnett native. 2020 has been a different year for sure, but if the time has come for you and your family to buy, sell, or rent a new home, Peggy Slappy Properties is here to help. Peggy and her team have been in Gwinnett and surrounding areas for 38 years now, helping folks just like you and me. Peggy and her team are a little different. Her team of 35 plus realtors realize that fostering strong relationships within the community is the key to their business. Peggy's team of professionals can work with you regardless of circumstance. Residential homes, new homes, rentals, with listings all over the county. In today's climate, you hear a lot of noise from others on how they can help you. The difference is, at Peggy Slappy Properties, they're buying and selling for neighbors, family, and friends. Don't you believe you'll get the most value from a team that knows the lay of the land? Visit Peggy Slappy Properties online at psponline.com or give them a call 24-7 at 770-271-5555. Peggy delivers the very best in Gwinnett and Georgia real estate because you deserve no less. Engineer Solutions of Georgia this is Jay and Lewis, owners of Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Lewis, what should a homeowner do if they have a crack in their block wall, corner of their door, window, or concrete foundation? Well, Jay, if it's a diagonal crack, this lets us know that they should be concerned and there could be a serious problem. Then they should call our office at 678-ESOG-NOW and set up an appointment to have one of our qualified professional technicians come out to their property to take a look at the problem. I'm consumer investigator Dale Cardwell. I've done the research already, so you don't have to. You can trust Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Give Engineered Solutions of Georgia a call at 678-ESOG-NOW. Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We guarantee a stable drive foundation. All right, welcome back to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast. Uh, let's look at the college slate. Start with the Bulldogs of Georgia. Uh, they got a much-needed win over Mississippi State last week, and now they visit South Carolina. Uh, we've talked so much in the past weeks about Georgia and their struggles on both sides of the ball, uh, but J.C. Daniels uh, finally got a start for uh, Georgia. I know a lot of fans and supporters were looking forward to it, and he delivered and had a a very good day for Georgia in their victory. Yeah, this, this is the quarterback everybody was kind of pushing for all year, wondering where he is, why he isn't playing, and uh, they got their wish this past week and certainly weren't disappointed. It uh, doesn't take much to stoke up the Georgia fan base, and uh, and JT Daniels coming in there and throwing for 400 yards and kind of saving the day against a, a Mississippi State team that, that they felt like they should have beat more handily. Uh, certainly had a tough tough challenge to beat those guys. Didn't, didn't look great on defense uh, in, in that one, but the offense really delivered with JT having a big game and uh, – it got got uh, the Bulldog fans excited about not not only the rest of this year, but what what next year might look like if uh, if JT Daniels is able to keep this high level of play going. Yeah, definitely. And they face South Carolina, so a border war there. Uh, I'm sure South Carolina tries to recruit uh, the Georgia area, including Gwinnett. Uh, so that's a very important matchup for both teams. Speaking of battles of borders and uh, things like that. 
we have our annual Georgia State and Georgia Southern contest uh, this Saturday as well. The Panthers got a much-needed win over South Carolina, very convincing fashion. So they're a win away from having a winning record. And Georgia Southern also has a, a pretty solid record and want to have a good end to the year. I know personally covering this contest, it's a very personal. The state not Southern and Southern not state, it, it's a very big deal. Uh, but what about this matchup on the, on the field? but also for recruiting purposes, because these guys, uh, they go after the same Gwinnett players, uh, I'm sure, quite a bit in recruiting battles. Yeah, definitely. This, this is uh, Both these teams are going to rely heavily on Georgia talent. Uh, you look at a program like the, the Georgia Bulldogs that maybe pull just the top handful of kids from Georgia every year. This is These are two, two teams that rely heavily on, on getting almost all their talent from the state of Georgia, which there's a lot of talent to take from this state. But you want to get the best of the best on these two teams of uh, – they're competing for the same type of kid in the recruiting circles. It's uh, it's the same guy that they're looking for. They're they're maybe just uh, just a step down from being offered by Georgia, and uh, but still a high level kids, and, uh, and they're going to battle for him year in and year out in the recruiting front. And uh, I know the fans really get into this matchup, and, and they, they want to have bragging rights over the other when it comes to the uh, the state bragging rights there at that level. And uh, it's exciting to watch every year. I think uh, Georgia Southern people kind of felt. Uh, like this was their state, and uh, but Georgia State's really kind of stepped into that rivalry and uh, kind of put their mark on it uh, since the new football program got going. And uh, it's definitely a rivalry now. They're they're trading victories, and uh, and that makes it fun uh, for both sides. It definitely is. And in Georgia Tech, uh, they're finally going to get back on the field. Hopefully by <laughs> by recording this show, they have not played a contest since October 31st, which was that Notre Dame loss. But hopefully they can get back on the field and face the Duke Blue Devils. So it's been a very long layoff for the Yellow Jackets, who I know want to get playing some games uh, this season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think how long it's been since since Georgia Tech's played a football game. It's uh, it's been such a break for those guys. I think uh, anytime you go that long between games, you kind of don't know what you're going to get when you get back onto the field. It's uh, it, it's a uh, it's a tough tough thing to do to take that that long of a break during the middle of your season, and it's going to be maybe, probably a mixed bag when they get back on the field. You're going to have some something some mistakes, some maybe not clean play because you haven't been out there in so long. But hopefully they're able to get out there and finish the season the right way, get some football in, and uh, and kind of build towards what I think Coach Collins is, still thinks is a bright future for that program. Uh, definitely. And any other college standouts from this past week uh, representing Gwinnett County? I think uh, it was another good effort on defense by my my guys down there with the Auburn Tigers, Owen Papo and uh, and uh, Colby Wooden there on the defensive line. Both those guys continue to play at a high level. And also in that game last week against Tennessee, I think another Gwinnett uh, guy on the Tennessee offensive line, they're starting off tackle, uh, Wanya Morris, who is a future NFL guy. He had a great game uh, on that offensive line. Tennessee was able to run the ball really well against Auburn, and and that was uh, a lot of that was due to Wanya Morris and his blocking ability up front. He's he's a great pass blocker as well. He's a guy that's got a super bright future. So look forward to seeing him uh, do big things down the road. That was an awesome transition, Will, because our NFL spotlight is on a former Auburn Tiger who is uh, doing a lot of good things for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, let's break him down uh, to end our show. Yeah, Derek Brown from uh, from Lanier. He's a uh, first round pick of the Carolina Panthers and uh, had another great game last week. I think he's a guy that's uh, going to be a, a cornerstone for that franchise on and off the field for years to come. They they drafted him very high in the first round and, and had that plan for him. He's a guy that's going to do- dominate against the run. He's going to require a lot of attention on the inside. I think he's going to develop as a pass rusher uh, more and more as his career goes on. Uh, but but right now he's already playing a big role as a rookie for the Panthers. And uh, last week, uh, shutouts are tough to come by at any level, but shutouts you don't see very often at the NFL level. So they were able to shut out the Lions last week, and, and congratulations to Derek and that defense. Uh, Derek played a big part in that shutout as well. 
This podcast is brought to you in part by AM920 The Answer, Atlanta's home for news, opinion, and insight. Just go to am920theanswer.com to listen live. That's am920theanswer.com. Thank you for listening to the Gwinnett Daily Post Football Friday podcast, your hyper-local news on the run. Thank you to Will for joining us, as well as our sponsors. Grab a copy of today's paper and visit GwinnettDailyPost.com for complete details on the stories we've discussed, plus more stories that affect you and the residents of Gwinnett County. Subscribe and share this podcast to get all the latest updates. And if you have a comment or question, we'd love to hear it. Just call the podcast comment line at 404-997-8655. We might even share your comment on an upcoming show. The Gwinnett Daily Post podcast is produced by BG Ad Group. Marcel Purdue producer, Jacob Sutherland director, copyright 2020, all rights reserved.